Chapter Four of the Life and Adventures of Nicholas Nickleby by Charles Dickens. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Four Nicholas and his uncle, to secure the fortune without loss of time, wait upon Mr. Wackford Squeers, the Yorkshire schoolmaster. Snow Hill. What kind of place can the quiet townspeople who see the words emblazoned in all the legibility of gilt letters and dark shading on the North Country coaches take Snow Hill to be? All people have some undefined and shadowy notion of a place whose name is frequently before their eyes, or often in their ears. What a vast number of random ideas there must be perpetually floating about regarding this same Snow Hill! The name is such a good one, Snow Hill, Snow Hill too, coupled with the Saracen's head, picturing to us by a double association of ideas, something stern and rugged, a bleak, desolate tract of country, open to piercing blasts and fierce wintry storms, a dark, cold, gloomy heath, lonely by day and scarcely to be thought of by honest folks at night, a place which solitary wayfarers shun and where desperate robbers congregate. This, or something like this, should be the prevalent notion of Snow Hill. In those remote and rustic parts, through which the Saracen's head, like some grim apparition, rushes each day and night with mysterious and ghost-like punctuality, holding its swift and headlong course in all weathers, and seeming to bid defiance to the very elements themselves. The reality is rather different but by no means to be despised notwithstanding there at the very core of london in the heart of its business and animation in the midst of a whirl of noise and motion stemming as it were the giant currents of life that flow ceaselessly on from different quarters and meet beneath its walls stands newgate and in that crowded street on which it frowns so darkly within a few feet of the squalid tottering houses upon the very spot on which the vendors of soup and fish and damaged fruit are now plying their trades scores of human beings amidst a roar of sounds to which even the tumult of a great city is as nothing four six or eight strong men at a time have been hurried violently and swiftly from the world when the scene has been rendered frightful with excess of human life when curious eyes have glared from casement and housetop and wall and pillar and when in the mass of white and upturned faces the dying wretch in his all-comprehensive look of agony has met not one not one that bore the impress of pity or compassion near to the jail and by consequence near to smithfield also and the compter and the bustle and noise of the city and just on that particular part of snow hill where omnibus horses going eastward seriously think of falling down on purpose and where horses in hackney cabriolets going westward not unfrequently fall by accident is the coachyard of the saracen's head inn its portal guarded by two saracen's heads and shoulders which it was once the pride and glory of the choice spirits of this metropolis to pull down at night but which have for some time remained in an undisturbed tranquillity possibly because this species of humour is now confined to st james parish where door-knockers are preferred as being more portable, and bell-wires esteemed as convenient toothpicks. Whether this be the reason or not, there they are, frowning upon you from each side of the gateway. The inn itself, garnished with another Saracen's head, frowns upon you from the top of the yard, 
while from the door of the hind boot of all the red coaches that are standing therein there glares a small saracen's head with a twin expression to the large saracen's heads below so that the general appearance of the pile is decidedly of the saracenic order when you walk up this yard you will see the booking office on your left and the tower of st sepulchre's church darting abruptly up into the sky on your right and a gallery of bedrooms on both sides just before you you will observe a long window with the words coffee room legibly painted above it and looking out of that window you would have seen in addition if you had gone at the right time mr wackford squeers with his hands in his pockets mr squeers appearance was not prepossessing he had but one eye and the popular prejudice runs in favour of two the eye he had was unquestionably useful but decidedly not ornamental being of a greenish grey and in shape resembling the fanlight of a street door the blank side of his face was much wrinkled and puckered up which gave him a very sinister appearance especially when he smiled at which times his expression bordered closely on the villainous his hair was very flat and shiny save at the ends where it was brushed stiffly up from a low protruding forehead which assorted well with his harsh voice and coarse manner he was about two or three and fifty and a trifle below the middle size he wore a white neckerchief with long ends and a suit of scholastic black but his coat sleeves being a great deal too long and his trousers a great deal too short he appeared ill at ease in his clothes as if he were in a perpetual state of astonishment at finding himself so respectable mr squeers was standing in a box by one of the coffee-room fireplaces fitted with one such table as is usually seen in coffee-rooms and two of extraordinary shapes and dimensions made to suit the angles of the partition in a corner of the seat was a very small deal trunk tied round with a scanty piece of cord and on the trunk was perched his lace-up half-boots and corduroy trousers dangling in the air a diminutive boy with his shoulders drawn up to his ears and his hands planted on his knees who glanced timidly at the schoolmaster from time to time with evident dread and apprehension half past three muttered mr squeers turning from the window and looking sulkily at the coffee-room clock there'll be nobody here to-day much vexed by this reflection mr squeers looked at the little boy to see whether he was doing anything he could beat him for as he happened not to be doing anything at all he merely boxed his ears and told him not to do it again at midsummer muttered mr squeers resuming his complaint i took down ten boys ten twenties is two hundred pound i'll go back at eight o'clock to-morrow morning and have got only three three orts is an ought three twos is six sixty pound what's come of all the boys what's parents got in their heads what does it all mean here the little boy on the top of the trunk gave a violent sneeze halloa sir growled the schoolmaster turning round what is that sir nothing please sir replied the little boy nothing sir exclaimed mr squeers please sir i sneeze rejoined the little boy trembling till the little trunk shook under him oh sneeze did you retorted mr squeers then what did you say nothing for sir in default of a better answer to this question the little boy screwed a couple of knuckles into each of his eyes and began to cry wherefore mr squeers knocked him off the trunk with a blow on one side of the face and knocked him on again with a blow on the other 
wait till i get you down into yorkshire my young gentleman said mr squeers and then i'll give you the rest will you hold that noise sir yes sobbed the little boy rubbing his face very hard with a beggar's petition in printed calico then do so at once sir said squeers do you hear as this admonition was accompanied with a threatening gesture and uttered with a savage aspect the little boy rubbed his face harder as if to keep the tears back and beyond alternately sniffing and choking gave no further vent to his emotions mr squeers said the waiter looking in at this juncture is a gentleman asking for you at the bar sure the gentleman in richard replied mr squeers in a soft voice put your handkerchief in your pocket you little scoundrel or i'll murder you when the gentleman goes the schoolmaster had scarcely uttered these words in a fierce whisper when the stranger entered affecting not to see him mr squeers feigned to be intent upon mending a pen and offering benevolent advice to his youthful pupil my dear child said mr squeers all people have their trials this early trial of yours that is fit to make your little heart burst and your very eyes come out of your head with crying what is it nothing less than nothing you're leaving your friends but you will have a father in me my dear and a mother in mrs squeers at the delightful village of dotheboys near greta bridge in yorkshire where youth are boarded clothed booked washed furnished with pocket money provided with all necessaries it is the gentleman observed the stranger stopping the schoolmaster in the rehearsal of his advertisement mr squeers i believe sir the same sir said mr squeers with an assumption of extreme surprise the gentleman said the stranger that advertised in the times newspaper morning post chronicle herald and advertiser regarding the academy called dotheboys hall at the delightful village of dotheboys near greta bridge in yorkshire added mr squeers you come on business sir i see by my young friends how do you do my little gentleman and how do you do sir with this salutation mr squeers patted the heads of two hollow-eyed small-boned little boys whom the applicant had brought with him and waited for further communications i am in the oil and colour way my name is snawley sir said the stranger squeers inclined his head as much as to say and a remarkably pretty name too the stranger continued i have been thinking mr squeers of placing my two boys at your school it's not for me to say so sir replied mr squeers but i don't think you could possibly do a better thing hmm said the other twenty pounds per annum i believe mr squeers guineas rejoined the schoolmaster with a persuasive smile pounds for two i think mr squeers said snawley solemnly oh, i don't think it could be done sir replied squeers as if he had never considered the proposition before let me see four fives is twenty double that and deduct the well a pound either way we shall not stand betwixt us you must recommend me to your connection sir and make it up that way they are not great eaters said mr snawley oh that doesn't matter at all replied squeers we don't consider the boys appetites at our establishment this was strictly true they did not every wholesome luxury sir that yorkshire can afford continued squeers every beautiful moral that mrs squeers can instil in short every comfort of a home that a boy could wish for will be theirs mr snawley i should wish their morals to be particularly attended to said mr snawley i'm glad of that sir replied the schoolmaster drawing himself up they have come to the right shop for morals sir you are a moral man yourself said mr snawley 
i rather believe i am sir replied squeers i have the satisfaction to know you are sir said mr snawley i asked one of your references and he said you were pious well sir i hope i am a little in that line replied squeers i hope i am also rejoined the other could i say a few words with you in the next box by all means rejoined squeers with a grin my dears will you speak to your new player fellow a minute or two that is one of my boys sir belling is his name a taunton boy that sir is he indeed rejoined mr snawley looking at the poor little urchin as if he were some extraordinary natural curiosity he goes down with me to-morrow sir said squeers that's his luggage he's a-sitting upon now each boy is required to bring sir two suits of clothes six shirts six pair of stockings two nightcaps two pocket handkerchiefs two pair of shoes two hats and a razor a razor exclaimed mr snawley as they walked into the next box what for to shave with replied squeers in a slow and measured tone there was not much in these three words but there must have been something in the manner in which they were said to attract the attention for the schoolmaster and his companion looked steadily at each other for a few seconds and then exchanged a very meaning smile snawley was a sleek flat-nosed man clad in sombre garments and long black gaiters bearing in his countenance an expression of much mortification and sanctity so his smiling without any obvious reason was the more remarkable up to what age do you keep boys at your school then he asked at length just as long as their friends make the quarterly payment to my agent in town or till such times as they run away replied squeers let us understand each other i see we may safely do so what are these boys natural children no rejoined snawley meeting the gaze of the schoolmaster's one eye they ain't i thought there might be said squeers coolly we have a good many of them that boy's one him in the next box said snawley squeers nodded in the affirmative his companion took another peep at the little boy on the trunk and turning round again looked as if he were quite disappointed to see him so much like other boys and said he should have hardly have thought it he is cried squeers but about those boys of yours you wanted to speak to me yes replied snawley the fact is i am not their father mr squeers i am only their father-in-law oh that's it is it said the schoolmaster that explains it at once i was wondering what the devil you were doing to send them to yorkshire for ah oh i understand now you see i have married the mother pursued snawley it's expensive keeping boys at home and as she has a little money in her own right i'm afraid women are so very foolish mr squeers that she might be led to squander it on them which would be their ruin you know ah see returned squeers throwing himself back in his chair and waving his hand and this resumed snawley has made me anxious to put them to some school a good distance off where there are no holidays none of those ill-judged coming home twice a year that unsettle children's minds so and where they may rough it a little you comprehend the payment's regular and no questions asked said squeers nodding his head that's it exactly rejoined the other morals strictly attended to though strictly said squeers not too much writing home aloud i suppose said the father-in-law hesitating none except a circular at christmas to say they never were so happy and hope they may never be sent for rejoined squeers nothing could be better said the father-in-law rubbing his hands then as we understand each other said squeers will you allow me to ask you whether you consider me a highly virtuous exemplary and well-conducted man in private life 
and when there is a person whose business it is to take charge of youth you place the strongest confidence in my unimpeachable integrity liberality religious principles and ability certainly i do replied the father-in-law reciprocating the schoolmaster's grin perhaps you won't object to say that if i make you a reference not the least in the world that's your sort said squeers taking up a pen this is doing business and that's what i like having entered mr snawley's address the schoolmaster had next to perform the still more agreeable office of entering the receipt of the first quarter's payment in advance which he had scarcely completed when another voice was heard inquiring for mr squeers here he is replied the schoolmaster what is it only a matter of business sir said ralph nickleby presenting himself closely followed by nicholas there was an advertisement of yours in the papers this morning there was sir this way if you please said squeers who had by this time got back to the box by the fireplace won't you be seated why i think i will replied ralph suiting the action to the word and placing his hat on the table before him this is my nephew sir mr nicholas nickleby how do you do sir said squeers nicholas bowed and said he was very well and seemed very much astonished at the outward appearance of the proprietor of dotheboys hall as indeed he was perhaps you recollect me said ralph looking narrowly at the schoolmaster you paid me a small account at each of my half-yearly visits to town for some years i think sir replied squeers i did rejoined ralph for the parents of a boy named dorker who unfortunately unfortunately died at dotheboys hall said ralph finishing the sentence i remember very well sir rejoined squeers ah uh, mrs squeers sir was as partial to that lad as if he'd been her own the attention sir that was bestowed upon that boy in his illness dry toast and warm tea offered him every night and morning when he couldn't swallow anything a candle in his bedroom on the very night he died the best dictionary sent up for him to lay his head upon i don't regret it though it's a pleasant thing to reflect that one did one's duty by him ralph smiled as if he meant anything but smiling and looked around at the strangers present these are only some pupils of mine said wackford squeers pointing to the little boy on the trunk and the two little boys on the floor who had been staring at each other without uttering a word and writhing their bodies into most remarkable contortions according to the custom of little boys when they first become acquainted this gentleman sir is a parent who is kind enough to compliment me upon the course of education adopted at dotheboys hall which is situated sir at the delightful village of dotheboys near greta bridge in yorkshire where youth are boarded clothed booked washed furnished with pocket money yes we know all about that sir interrupted ralph testily it's in the advertisement you're very right sir it is in the advertisement replied squeers and in the matter of fact besides interrupted mr snawley i feel bound to assure you sir that i am proud to have this opportunity of assuring you that i consider mr squeers a gentleman highly virtuous exemplary well conducted and i make no doubt of it sir interrupted ralph checking the torrent of recommendation no doubt of it at all suppose we come to business with all my heart sir rejoined squeers never postpone business is the very first lesson we instil into our commercial pupils master belling my dear always remember that do you hear yes sir repeated master belling he recollects what it is does he said ralph tell the gentleman said squeers never repeated master belling 
very good said squeers go on never repeated master bellingham again very good indeed said squeers yes p suggested nicholas good-naturedly perform business said master belling never perform business very well sir said squeers darting a withering look at the culprit you and i will perform a little business on our private account by and by and just now said ralph we had better transact our own perhaps if you please said squeers well resumed ralph it's brief enough soon broached and i hope easily concluded you have advertised for an able assistant sir precisely so said squeers and you really want one certainly answered squeers here he is said ralph my nephew nicholas hot from school with everything he learnt there fermenting in his head and nothing fermenting in his pocket it's just the man you want i'm afraid said squeers perplexed with such an application from a youth of nicholas's figure i'm afraid the young man won't suit me yes he will said ralph i know better don't be cast down sir you will be teaching all the young noblemen in dotheboys hall in less than a week's time unless this gentleman is more obstinate than i take him to be i fear sir said nicholas addressing mr squeers that you object to my youth and to my not being a master of arts the absence of a college degree is an objection replied squeers looking as grave as he could and considerably puzzled no less by the contrast between the simplicity of the nephew and the worldly manner of the uncle than by the incomprehensible allusion to the young nobleman under his tuition look here sir said ralph i'll put this matter in its true light in two seconds if you'll have the goodness rejoined squeers this is a boy or a youth or a lad or a young man or a hobbledehoy or whatever you like to call him of eighteen or nineteen or thereabouts said ralph that i see observed the schoolmaster so do i said mr snawley thinking it as well to back his new friend occasionally his father is dead he is wholly ignorant of the world he has no resources whatever and wants something to do said ralph i recommend him to this splendid establishment of yours as an opening which will lead him to fortune if he turns it to proper account do you see that everybody must see that replied squeers half imitating the sneer with which the old gentleman was regarding his unconscious relative i do of course said nicholas eagerly he does of course you observe said ralph in the same dry hard manner if any caprice of temper should induce him to cast aside this golden opportunity before he has brought it to perfection i consider myself absolved from extending any assistance to his mother and sister look at him and think of the use he may be to you in half a dozen ways now the question is whether for some time to come at all events he won't serve your purpose better than twenty of the kind of people you would get under ordinary circumstances isn't that a question for consideration yes it is said squeers answering a nod of ralph's head with a nod of his own good rejoined ralph let me have two words with you the two words were had apart in a couple of minutes mr wackford squeers announced that mr nicholas nickleby was from that moment thoroughly nominated to and installed in the office of first assistant master at dotheboys hall your uncle's recommendation has done it mr nickleby said wackford squeers nicholas overjoyed at his success shook his uncle's hand warmly and could almost have worshipped squeers upon the spot he is an odd-looking man thought nicholas what of that porson was an odd-looking man and so was dr johnson all these bookworms are at eight o'clock to-morrow morning mr nickleby said squeers 
the coach starts you must be here a quarter before as we take these boys with us certainly sir said nicholas and your fare down i have paid growled ralph so you'll have nothing to do but keep yourself warm here was another instance of his uncle's generosity nicholas felt his unexpected kindness so much that he could scarcely find words to thank him indeed he had not found half enough when they took leave of the schoolmaster and emerged from the saracen's head gateway i shall be here in the morning to see you fairly off said ralph no skulking thank you sir replied nicholas i shall never forget this kindness take care you don't replied his uncle you'd better go home now and pack up what you have got to pack do you think you could find your way to golden square first certainly said nicholas i could easily inquire leave these papers with my clerk then said ralph producing a small parcel and tell him to wait till i come home nicholas cheerfully undertook the errand and bidding his worthy uncle an affectionate farewell which that warm-hearted old gentleman acknowledged by a growl hastened away to execute his commission he found golden square in due course mr noggs who had stepped out for a minute or so to the public-house was opening the door with a latch-key as he reached the steps what's that inquired noggs pointing to the parcel papers from my uncle replied nicholas and you're to have the goodness to wait till he comes home if you please uncle cried noggs mr nickleby said nicholas in explanation come in said newman without another word he led nicholas into the passage and thence into the official pantry at the end of it where he thrust him into a chair and mounting upon his high stool sat with his arms hanging straight down by his sides gazing fixedly upon him as from a tower of observation there is no answer said nicholas laying the parcel on a table beside him newman said nothing but folding his arms and thrusting his head forward so as to obtain a nearer view of nicholas's face scanned his features closely no answer said nicholas speaking very loud under the impression that newman noggs was deaf newman placed his hands upon his knees and without uttering a syllable continued the same close scrutiny of his companion's face this was such a very singular proceeding on the part of an utter stranger and his appearance was so extremely peculiar that nicholas who had a sufficiently keen sense of the ridiculous could not refrain from breaking into a smile as he inquired whether mr noggs had any commands for him noggs shook his head and sighed upon which nicholas rose and remarking that he required no rest bade him good morning it was a great exertion for newman noggs and nobody knows to this day how he ever came to make it the other party being wholly unknown to him but he drew a long breath and actually said out loud without once stopping that if the young gentleman did not object to tell he should like to know what his uncle was going to do for him nicholas had not the least objection in the world but on the contrary was rather pleased to have an opportunity of talking on the subject which occupied his thoughts so he sat down again and his sanguine imagination warming as he spoke entered into a fervent and glowing description of all the honours and advantages to be derived from his appointment that seat of learning dotheboys hall what's the matter are you ill said nicholas suddenly breaking off as his companion after throwing himself into a variety of uncouth attitudes thrust his hand under the stool and cracked his finger joints as if he were snapping all the bones in his hands newman noggs made no reply but went on shrugging his shoulders and cracking his finger joints smiling horribly all the time and looking steadfastly at nothing 
out of the tops of his eyes in a most ghastly manner at first nicholas thought the mysterious man was in a fit but on further consideration decided that he was in liquor under which circumstances he deemed it prudent to make off at once he looked back when he had got the street door open newman noggs was still indulging in the same extraordinary gestures and the cracking of his fingers sounded louder than ever End of chapter four